Hey everybody, thanks for downloading Noggin Notes yet again and for sharing it around. If you have not shared, we invite you to share because sharing is caring, but also that's how the word spreads and that's how people get better. We produce this content so that people can consider certain things in their lives, make certain adjustments if necessary, and overall improve health because at the end of the day, I'm trying to work myself out of a job and so far it's not working, but (laughs) I would like one day not to have to do this work anymore because if everybody's happy and healthy and functional and they can stay out of my office, then I will be glad to do literally any other work to pay my bills. So share this around. Today's interview is with Kevin Berry. He is a marketing specialist and he's a very good friend of mine. He does the marketing for Walk the Talk America and for Zephyr Wellness. If you go on our websites, you can see how well he's done the build out on those those things. Uh, So he does web building and social media marketing and um, a lot of stuff, graphic design. And he's really good at this, and I appreciate what he brings to the table because he studies it uh, diligently, and he treats it like a profession, and he's always engaged in online forums and uh, digesting articles and flexing things around and reading research. And so I wanted to pick his brain on how social media, yes, but also video game platforms are contributing to the overall addictive uh, emergence of what we're seeing with our youth and also adults. And he explains a lot of that, and I, you know, we ping back and forth off each other. But it's really quite frightening to me to see that even platform console video games now are basically turning your living room into a casino environment. So it's something to be aware of, especially if you have children, especially if you have young children who have yet to be exposed to this kind of content and, and immersion it's really good to know what you're getting into so you can put some guardrails on. So this is my conversation with Kevin, and I invite everybody to share our stuff around. If you want to go back a few episodes and listen to some of the stuff that we've done recently, I think the, the interviews are getting better, even though they're getting further and fewer, <laughs> fewer and further between. But um, we're going to try to do a little bit more of this stuff and take it a little more seriously and uh, produce uh, some more frequent episodes. So hang in there with us. Yeah, that's a it's a free product. Get what you pay for. <laughs> My joke. Laugh if you want. Anyway, on behalf of uh, Zephyr Wellness and uh, Noggin Notes and Walk the Talk America, I offer you free mental health screenings. WTTA.org slash love is where you can get free anonymous mental health screenings. Share those around too. Without further delay, here's my interview with Kevin Berry from Marketing Stable. Hey everybody, thanks again for checking out Noggin Notes. We've been doing this for quite some time now and I'm always humbled by people's willingness to carve out parts of their time to listen to what we have to say on this show. So thanks and uh, if you find this interesting, you know, share it around because it helps make Earth better, I think, when we have these conversations. And uh, today I've got my good friend, Kevin Berry. He is, uh, he's been a friend for a long time. We met playing adult league baseball here in town in Northern Nevada. We're both Northern Nevada natives. And Kevin works in marketing. We've become closer in recent years because I took him on to do the marketing for Zephyr Wellness. And if you've uh, paid attention to any of our content uh, since about 2020, you notice that the uh, quality of at least the videos has improved dramatically because it's in his hands to do the overlays and the intros and the outros and stuff like that. And so me uh, dorking along with my uh I don't know, Microsoft product from whatever Windows platform I was using. But he's also done the marketing for Walk the Talk America for the last few years too. And uh, we really enjoy having him. And I've, I've learned a ton, a ton, a ton about marketing, especially digital marketing and social media marketing, stuff that I never knew, myths that I've changed my mind about. I know he's really up on it. So today we've got him here talking about the addictive properties of gaming and like platform gaming is what we're talking about. So uh, things that you might buy through PlayStation or Xbox or whatnot, and its similarities with the uh, actual gambling industry, the casino industry, if you will, which he's worked in for a number of years. So we're going to get into some of that stuff. And there's also, uh, we're also going to tip a little bit into social media itself and uh, try to try to create some comparisons between and among the different interfaces and platforms and describe how they can be problematic psychologically for those of us who maybe don't have good boundaries in how we use them. So uh, Kev, how would you like to introduce yourself beyond what I just shared? I think that's good. I'm not big on uh, introductions like you are, but uh, yeah, I'll just give a little bit of background transparency uh, video gaming. I haven't worked with any client um, in that realm, so this is more just my experience as a user uh, themselves. 
um, and my kind of connection to casino gaming, which I did have a lot of experience. Uh, our client and my family sold uh, their casino properties. They had three in kind of rural Nevada, although Fernley's pretty big and growing. Uh, Fernley, Silver Springs, and Dayton. Uh, I got to run pretty much the entire operation coming in and cleaning up a lot of the stuff they were just kind of doing because people, oh, I can kind of do that as a hobby. And we just uh, kind of professional took over it and uh, got into kind of the player demographics and built promotions, both uh, manual games, they call them. So think of like Vegas Vacation and Rock, Paper, Scissors, not quite that simple. Um, <laughs> we don't have that, and, by the way. That's that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but we did do like dice game, big uh, foam dice and running the probabilities of each different kind of outcome and a lot more manual versus uh, system uh, promotions, which are all done through um, each casino has a different company or product uh, that runs kind of the casino player uh, card and player club that kind of rewards everybody differently. Some have kiosks, some don't. Um, so use designed promotions both sides. And yeah, we were having lunch a couple of weeks ago and I was kind of explaining the similarities I saw and was wondering if you had any people that were, it was ca causing any issues in uh, their lives and you never heard of it. And that's what we're hearing. Yeah, I want to uh, back up a little bit. I want to do some, take some time and, you know, we're not in a big hurry here. So I want to break down very specifically that some of the terminology that you're using, some of the lingo, because I know that whenever I talk about casinos or whenever we have a, a friends in from out of town and they're not familiar with how casinos work uh it's, it's a little more ubiquitous these days with indian gaming and whatnot that a lot of the tribes across the country have opened up casinos so people are a little more familiar with it now than they were maybe 20 25 years ago but it's still uh very mysterious and i think it, not in a not in a weird way but just in a curiosity sort of way much like my profession embraces its uh uniqueness and that you know, if you admit that you're a therapist or a counselor, people immediately start asking you questions about things that, you know, polite conversation typically doesn't entertain. So in the casino world, uh, you know, some myths that we could bust right away is like, first of all, Reno and Vegas are in the same state, but they're six and a half hour drive apart. So we're, we're in Reno, Northern Nevada, Reno sparks, Vegas is down in the Southern tip near Arizona. Vegas is much bigger. It's like Reno on steroids. Um, they, they are the economic engine of Nevada for all intent and purpose. And within these casinos, you, you drop some terms in there like kiosks, um, uh, manual gaming or gambling, there's machines and so forth. And there's a big regulatory system that oversees all this. And Nevada has long held itself as the quote unquote gold standard because the Nevada Gaming Control Board has for a very long time held a high standard for people who are allowed licenses. So you must have a license to, if you want to open up a casino in Nevada and there's hoops to jump through, and we don't need to get into the regulatory aspect of that. In fact, we can uh, invite on Mike Morton again to talk about that if we want to. But the idea here is that we want to break down for the the random user you know, of this podcast who's listening and say, you know, Nebraska, to help them understand what it is that you're talking about when you say you've created tracking tools and player uh, promotions and that kind of thing. What, what does that actually mean? to somebody who walks into a casino and wants to just plug a few quarters in a slot machine. We don't even use quarters anymore. So maybe explain that too and some of the technology behind it. Yeah, so I think that first starts with uh, the Players Club card and you see these in almost any big casino um, and you see a lot of promotions to try to get you to sign up and that's, it's the exact same as like the grocery store uh, card trying to give you discounts to plug in your card numbers so then they can track exactly everything you purchase, your purchase behaviors and everything. So then that makes ordering produce and food and inventory more easy because you know how a majority or hopefully a majority of your uh, customers are buying, they're buying behaviors. Same thing with casino. So anybody that's playing with a player's club card can be tracked. Uh, what games they like to play, how much um, coin in is a term, so that's money going into the device. That's kind of the big term in uh, gambling because you, we don't control the, the win or loss, uh, despite maybe miss. We don't have the, the Flintstones lever that goes from win to lose. Um, so that that's really what my goal is, to in, increase coin in, um, because that increases revenue. Um, 
And and there's a yeah, lot of competition you, you in that realm too, right? Like, it is. There's competition it, among casinos for the same person. It, exactly. It's tricky. If everybody has a new player sign up reward of $20, oh, if the competitor did 30 do we want to jump up? Or is that just going to be a rat race and a never-ending? Um, we saw casinos more maybe in Reno that are bigger. They're at 100 Um But, yes, all the different promotions to try to um, – bring you in and a lot of players spend their time maybe at a few different stops so maybe they have two three favorite casinos and your goal or at least my goal was make them um get more out of their time playing at our casinos so they spend more time on our slots versus a competitor so these reward programs that are built in very much like the grocery stores will give you something back in exchange for your coin in is that that's basically the premise Correct. Yeah. So chance to win. That's where like kiosk, it's not a really inside term. It's just all those kind of kiosks that you see. And what a lot of them we never did, we looked at uh, getting them multiple times, but uh, the investment and reoccurring investment was quite steep. So we never uh, pulled the trigger on one of the, the kiosks, but they would be like, all right, come in and insert your players club and get what $20 in pre-play. So it was getting you on property with a reward. Um, spend this amount of coin in you get food comps and we didn't have a hotel or anything like that but earn free uh hotel rooms stuff like that and manage your rewards and how you want to use them and cash them in um along with yeah oh you weren't playing this little digital promotion that you spin the wheel and you get a random reward which that's more to your territory of like oh i see a wheel the dopamine all that yeah i worked uh for Silver Legacy, which is a, one of the casinos downtown in Reno for just a, a hot minute as a publicist. And I really dove in. I really wanted to learn as much as I could. And I was very surprised to learn about how the the programming uh, behind the, the reward system really works. And what I discovered, and I don't know if it's true today as it was in 2004 when I worked there, but the coin, or I guess you could say that the slot machines as we would traditionally think of them are way heavier tilted toward rewards than the table games, which is your blackjack, your keen, uh, your uh, craps, uh, poker. Is that still the case? Like I, I was once told that nickel slots pay the, the electrical bill every month, just nickel slots. And I thought that was overwhelming to me. Is that, is it still the case? We didn't, we didn't have any uh, table games, so uh, I think they're called live games. Uh, that was just a different classification yeah. that uh, they never did. But, um, yeah, so in, in a basic kind of theory with slots, it's the fancier the slot is, the worst you're going to do on it. So if it's a new big game like The Hobbit that's based off a movie and it's 3D, they have some even 4D games out there. So the fancier the slot, the probably the better odds you're going to struggle on that game. Um, you mean me as the player, well, I'm, I'm not going to get as much correct, return. Correct. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, and yeah, is there I, a reason for that? Cause it seems to me that regulations would make sure that they're mostly even across the board. Yeah. Well, let's start with regulation. So regulations, casinos can maybe set their, how tight well, the term is hold. So how much money that goes into it, what percentage of that will be held? That's called the hold of um, the game and the hold of the casino as you total everything up. So that's maybe we ran our reports every week, anywhere from three to 6% was kind of the average that it went in. Sometimes the casino would lose money that week, especially with a smaller town like Dayton. I got lucky, had a few good uh, jackpots. Other people hit jackpots because you know, lost money that week. Um, but in general, it's going to tend more to three, four, five percent because all those games are kind of set at that. And it's not like, oh, you can just set them. Oh, we're losing money. Let's just tweak it real quick. You have to set them and kind of leave them. Okay, so when I see a billboard driving around town that uh, some property or another client, and property, by the way, is a, an industry term for a casino. There are different casino properties. You manage or you're family owned and you, you do the marketing for them. Three different properties in these towns. So when you say Dayton, that's a town. Silver Springs is a town. Fernley is a town. Actually, it's an incorporated city for being technical. But the different properties might advertise loosest slots 
in town or loosest slots around or something like that. That's an indicator that they have made a, some sort of sacrifice to go a little lower on that hold then. And the, the player would thereby win more frequently. I wouldn't say that because advertising, maybe not everybody uh, is at the cult. They could ad- advertise that and have the tightest slots in, uh, in town, but yes, Fair that enough. would be their, their, their game. If they were doing true to their advertising or our slogan, uh, that we like to do was win more, play longer, um, because we tried to reward top players more for playing with us, and we saw the time on device increase, um, and their money maybe go a little bit further. Um, That's a oh, keep going, sorry. Um, but that was kind of our goal. Is when I first came on, I just kind of got in my whole data hat, put it on, went into the player demographics, pulled all the numbers, and it was like. 46, 47% of the revenue of the property was generated by the top 5% of players. So then it was like, okay, how do we reward them specifically more and make them feel like we value them more? And maybe if they were spending 60% of their their time at our property, how do we get that to 70% because they feel like their money is going further? So time on device is one of those phrases that I've heard uh, like, um, the, the guys from Humane Tech, the Center for Humane Technology, they had a podcast called uh, Your Undivided Attention that made a lot of waves back 2019, 2020. And then they came out with the documentary called uh, The Social Dilemma. And time on device was one of those phrases that was often kicked around as the goal of social media platforms to keep your eyeballs on there. And this is where we got this concept. And maybe this is new to some people about how the user has now become the, the product and the, the, the device itself or the game is no longer the product. The user is because they're selling advertisements. It sounds like the casino industry is doing the same thing. They're trying to keep you there playing. So it's actually in their best interest to reward the, the customer or the player, not just with prizes, but with more frequent payouts, even though they may be small, because it keeps you playing. Is that, am I tracking? Yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe social media, since that is my main area of work, is a little different because they're selling ads, so they want you on to see more ads, and similar in the same way with gaming, because more time on device, the odds are in the ca- casino or house's favor, they're going to lose. So a little, little bit different mechanism, but ultimately the same outcome um as yes trying to keep you there uh, yes that's where that's where like social media will take a sidestep into that world where they'll punish oh you're sending a link to your website or taking people off platform we're not going to show that to as many people because we want people to stay on or even oh you're using a third party editing and posting software that's not going to reach as many people as if you came onto instagram and created your posts there because guess what you do oh you also sell an ad or two so they can get make money off you creating content on platform because you're you're likely going to see an ad or two okay so now you're bringing up something that i hadn't actually considered before despite our many conversations over the years <laughs> is the idea of external links so if if i'm on instagram we'll stick there because i know that pretty well and i know twitter pretty well um and i've been i haven't been on facebook for many years but i understand that instagram and facebook are owned by the same people and that's fine and i'm assuming they're the same but i i don't think they are i think they're very different um algorithms and whatnot but we'll stick with instagram so if i'm scrolling instagram and i see an ad for um something that pops up because I'm in the gun community, I follow a lot of gun people, it'll be something advertising uh, an optic, you know, some, some little thing I can put on my gun to make me, you know, ostensibly shoot straighter. (coughs) Excuse me. That makes for good radio when you hack into the microphone. Um, (laughs) If I click on that link and it takes me to the advertiser's website to buy this uh, optic that I'm going to put on my gun, that's taking me out of Instagram presumably. But what I've noticed, and I didn't realize it until just now, is there's an an internal link that, go, that doesn't launch into a browser anymore. It goes to like the the advertising companies or the, the product selling companies' different setup webpage, and you're nodding and the listening audience can't see you nodding. But what what is that? Like, how does it capture you and keep you on Instagram? Let's take a baby step back, because I think this is a 
different and important to kind of separate as you saw an ad and you click that link. The advertisers are paying for that ad to be there. And me as an advertiser, I'm saying, hey, the goal of this ad is I want you to generate as many clicks to my link. So that's fine. That's right. separate. I'm talking more like organic content that is would nerf you for links. But going back to your original question, that's taking you to now that's where a lot of TikTok you're seeing it a lot. They're trying to put a e-commerce experience on Instagram, TikTok, so you can buy the product on their little Instagram store or marketplace. I forget what term. And never leaves. Yes. Okay. So when I hit the back button, I go back to Instagram. I don't go uh, somewhere else where previously I would have been out of the app and staring at my phone and I'd have to click back into Instagram. Okay, okay, okay. So this is all about keeping eyeballs on. And they are incentivizing that a little bit better than um, advertisers that are paying people to generate clicks to a link. Hmm. So um, while I dive really into the weeds here, if I'm – uh, let's say Zephyr wellness is, uh, not selling psychotherapy, but we're selling, uh, t-shirts. Um, I, I w- if I would wanted to do that, I'd have to ask you as my marketing guy to build out yet another digital marketplace within the Instagram platform to sell my t-shirts. You could, uh, I think we would have the conversation. Are you going to do this organically on social media? That means you don't have any ad budget to boost your content. If you were, then yes, I would say, Hey, yeah, let's probably put a marketplace on Instagram that will help, uh, boost the content. So we, since we don't have any ad budget to boost it, if you say, Hey, I have an ad budget, we could just build something on Zephyr Wellness's site, build an e-commerce side to that, and it would still be fine because you're telling the ads, hey, I'm paying your platform to generate clicks to that link. So they're fine. Their goal is I want to generate as many clicks to that link if you're paying for it. If you're not paying for it, yeah, the probably the right way to go would be to make a marketplace on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, something like that. This it makes a lot more sense as to why when people say, I want to do social media marketing and you smirk and you go, well, what kind? Uh, it, because there are so many different kinds and it depends on what the ultimate goal is. Now, tell me why clicks would be important in different ways to me as the, the advertiser versus the platform itself. Seems like the platform just once once it gets its money, it gets its money, right? Who cares? It's, but it's not that simple. <laughs> gonna have to do our our, our uh, video game podcast next time. Uh, diving in the weeds of this. So, as an advertiser, you, Facebook and Meta can also create audiences based off interactions. So, if you're getting people to interact with something, you can then make an audience and target them for future things. So as an advertiser, it'd be valuable to to me to get an engagement. So then they're easier to reach next time. Uh, You could also put on your SEO hat that the more traffic that you bring to your domain, the better strength uh, your domain's going to have and slowly rise into the rankings for your product or your industry. Why would Instagram be disincentivized to sending people to my domain uh, if they're, if I'm just paying them anyway, that's what I'm saying. If, if you're paying them to do that ad and you're saying, go to Zephyr wellness slash shop, they're going to spread that like wildfire because you're paying. If you're not paying oh. and you're trying to take them off platform, what's their incentive? Okay. Okay. All right. That's starting to make more sense then. That's so, where I was trying to stop yeah. and kind of separate the two. If you're paying, yep. that's their goal. So real quick goals are like general awareness. I want to reach as many people with this ad as possible. That's not targeting clicks or anything. Um, you can also do video views. I want the most people to watch this video. I want most people to click this uh, link that I'm creating a landing page for. I want phone calls. So you can target different goals for which you're ultimately paying for. And uh, I guess the ad algorithms are going to distribute that ad to an audience it thinks is most likely to perform that action. Which is why I see gun stuff because I'm connected with the gun community. I don't buy any of this stuff, but I sure see it a lot. So that makes sense. Yes, It's putting it in my eyeballs and, and it's doing general branding for all intent and purpose. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Now, because that, thank you for indulging me. And I think that's probably useful anyway. I do want to talk about the video game stuff because that's what we <laughs> tease people that we would discuss. 
All right. Let's get back to the casino stuff. You've got incentives for people coming into the casinos. Uh, they, they pay more. And the other day you blew my mind telling me that now sports video games are doing something that I didn't know they were doing, which is in asking people to pay up to have a better sports video game experience by buying extra things. Now, my previous experience with this was only through little uh, natively hosted games like Candy Crush and Clash of Clans, where you're constantly paying to advance your your player experience, I guess, in perpetuity. So that you just never stop playing and you just keep digging into your bank account and charging 20 bucks at a time to get more armies or whatever it is. Now they're doing this with the like baseball and basketball and hockey and all this stuff. Like, okay, first explain that and then tie it into casinos, please. I don't think there's a game that I play that doesn't do this. So even like call of duty, you can buy weapons, buy different, they call them skins. So visual appearances for your character to display when they're playing in an online match. And then, yeah, all the sports games, uh, I was looking it up. They make, like four to six billion dollars a year just on these extra they call microtransactions. So that's not even sales of the game. This is just additional purchases. And it's really unfortunate because players like maybe you and I, we really like to earn and grind and feel rewarded for uh, playing so long and earning something. And now some kid can pay 20 bucks and get it. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but that's what they're doing. And they kind of put less emphasis on franchise mode where you can kind of play a season as a, your favorite team or something. And now they call them like almost like online fantasy and gaming world. So you can have, we'll throw out different names for different sports like Derek Jeter, um, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, um, different athletes of past to where you get their card and then you get to play as that uh, cards attributes into the different game modes, whether it's online with other players and uh, different modes or single player in that game mode. And as the season progresses, they release better and better cards. So it's always a rat race to keep up and have the best cards. Um, and then they this also have like, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah. Keep, you know, keep going. I was just going to try and say this is <laughs> really disappointing. And I was going to talk about how kids are, you know, doomed, but I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. So, and then they change to uh, like challenges of like make 50, 500 three pointers with a small forward. And you have to do that and you earn uh, whatever badges to upgrade your player or a better player that you haven't had before. Or you can buy the whole pack for ninety nine ninety nine um, and get a whole upgraded starting lineup. Um, so that's kind of where it is. And they have the exact same thing as the casino. Log on log, log on to this game mode and we'll give you uh, a free pack. And it also brings me back to like the Pokemon and trading cards, baseball cards, where you'd open the pack, uh, whatever. Nine out of ten of them suck and you have one chance for something good. And even then your chances aren't that great for anything really special same exact thing there you can buy packs with different like cycles of the season uh so they nba just had like a new year so did madden with football um and you can buy packs with a one percent chance to have the card you want and then people are just grinding away trying to get that same same as you're trying to hit a jackpot on a slot machine that's wild to me and maybe maybe it's wild to me only because I'm 45 years old and I was never that good at video games to begin with. I mean, I've never even beaten Super Mario Brothers on the 8-bit Nintendo, so maybe this just doesn't thrill me. But to me, the excitement is in the competition and the personal development and the team development and playing with people I know to get better. And yes, eventually you beat the game or the game wears out and a new edition is released and you want the you know, the new bells and whistles of the 2024 or whatever. Okay. I, I can track with that, but it's sounding like people can just purchase their way into superiority. Now is that, yep. is that happening? Like wh why would I be incentivized? To, Absolutely. To maybe it's not me. I don't know. Maybe they're not targeting me. I've and I think I'm probably more along with you as I really like to earn something of play for hours and it took me so long and when you finally achieve something that's hard and challenging it it feels good um not just 
oh, I spent a hundred dollars. One waste of money, like, all right, maybe it brings some entertainment value to me. Um, you could argue that, uh, I've, I've definitely spent some money cause there's some game modes where, Ooh, this is going to be a big climb and I could use a little help with maybe a player or two, but I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars. I know they're saying people are spending hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars a month just to keep up with everybody online. I, I hate playing online. It's a, it doesn't seem fun. People, uh, kick your ass because everybody does have really good stuff that, uh, you don't quite have yet. And it's not fun, but the single player, uh, grinding and getting a card that maybe was my favorite player as a kid. Hey, that's worth 10 bucks for me. Cause I got, um, more value, but unfortunately I think like the casino industry, let's switch our brains of, I'm not in that top 5% that's bringing in all the revenue. So there's people spending thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to get that stuff. And um, I don't know. It just seems like it could cause a lot of friction and issues in daily life. Well, for sure. And I'm thinking now this is a different psychiatric ailment that's going to afflict people differently than what I've been screaming about for a couple of years now. Unfortunately, we have people like Jonathan Haidt out there doing really good research on why kids should stay off social media, but it's not for this purpose. They're talking about something very different, which is the social pressures of conformity to the, you know, the mob or whatever, and teens and specifically girls, but also boys too, their mental illness is directly correlated to approximately 2012 when algorithms changed and you weren't any longer interacting with just your friends on your social media platform. It was the world you're interacting with. Yeah. I'm not going to dive into that because you can see it all in Jonathan Haidt's Substack called after Babel, B-A-B-E-L. But in this realm, this is more of a keeping up with the Joneses type of thing, which is, I mean, and there's finances involved too. It's not just time away from your actual in real life peer colleagues where you're deficient in your social skills because you don't have to confront anybody face to face. This is more of a, a true addiction to the process of the chase while also trying to be competitive because there's a competitive nature. You want to win. If you don't win, it sucks and you don't want to play anymore. So you quit and that's not fun. So you ask for mom's credit card and mom thinks it's innocent because it's not, um, I don't know. It's not doom scrolling TikTok and learning about all the weirdness on TikTok. This is a different type of addictive property. Oh, he's just playing MLB the show. It's okay. Oh, he's just playing Madden. Uh, but he's not, he's, he's chasing something that is probably outgunned and, and underpowered because most people don't fall into that top 5% category of, income earners anyway and do we really want to be pushing our kids in that direction where they're constantly asking for more and i analogize this to you know the bratty kid in the grocery store who can't take no for an answer because he wants a pack of gum in the grocery line this is the bratty kid at home under your own roof in his uh, bedroom maybe he's done his homework but maybe he's also neglecting his sleep by staying up way too late at night and mom's credit card bill is at 300 bucks a month buying Derek Jeter cards or Shohei Otani cards just so the kid can keep up with the, the other kid in Cincinnati or whatever. I mean, this, this sounds incredibly destructive. Absolutely. And think of kind of what we all laid out with the gaming industry of they try to get promotions to bring you on property and go uh, to theirs versus the others these games are doing the exact same thing. Oh, uh, Madden has a lot of, they just released a new card and series to where people are trying to earn that next tier. We get, we got to drop our next tier so we can top them and bring more of our audience back and have them spend more time on the basketball game instead of football. Gee whiz. Uh, so as a, as a clinician, I'm thinking the answer is teach your kids delayed gratification but if the if the game itself which i i'm assuming game price has probably not moved a whole lot if they're full if the companies are filling their back end if they're filling their coffers on the back end purchases games probably aren't 300 dollars a piece they're probably still in the 60 to 80 range is, is that about it okay yeah I don't, so, I don't think it changed and that sh that shows you right how much right. money they're but, making off that 
can, can I, because you, you've played these obviously more recently than I have, can I buy MLB The Show in 2024 and not buy any of the additional packs and have a good time in my living room? Is that even possible? Like, is it is it relegated only yeah. online where I get screwy and go sideways, or am I going to be frustrated in my own living room playing with my friends? No, you you can definitely. I I don't think I spent any extra money on MLB The Show. Just enjoyed uh, playing as the Padres and uh, having a better season than the real team had, and uh, it was perfectly fine. It's not hard to do. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it it's almost it's almost like an addictive sub- substance of once you get in. Then it's like, ooh, I've already I've already spent ten dollars. What's twenty dollars to get a better card and, and and do have more fun? And there, there's some merit to that. Um, right now, I have a little one, six months old, and staying up late, and not a lot of people are up with me. So yeah, maybe I spend ten dollars, and it's like going to a movie, and I get a little bit more quality of entertainment from that. But setting limits to myself of, hey, this is a card I really gonna like. It's gonna increase my enjoyment a little bit this is fine, but where does it stop? And you could slip down the slide and get into trouble real quick with that too. Yeah. I mean, we're grown men and, you know, with careers and families and we can evaluate risk and reward. Whereas pre-adolescence and adolescents don't necessarily have that mechanism built in yet, especially if it's never been taught to them by parents who say, no, not right now or you're limited to 30 minutes and that's it and actually follow through and mean it. So if they don't have that mechanism built in, they, they can't compute that $20 is $20 worth of entertainment that could have otherwise gone somewhere else in their life. You and I do that and we say, you know, $20 here is not $20 spent on a burger out with the family. It's not $20 spent at the ice skating rink or whatever. We have to make that calculation and decide whether or not it's worthwhile and hopefully we're not giving over to impulse or fatigue because we're up with our six month old <laughs> like screw it. I don't care. I just need some <laughs> peace and quiet. Right. But the, the children don't have that governing mechanism unless it's been taught to them. And the, t- the way you teach it to them is in that childhood development. So it, it all folds in on itself to create a, a really toxic presentation where ultimately we go back to the parents are being, in, have to be in charge and say no. And they have to actually, actually put in, obstacles and then they have to deal with the child's frustration and they have to tolerate the child's distress when they're told no you can't just keep up with your peers online which i presume everybody's online these days because i mean do kids even come over to everybody's house anymore to each other's house and play games i i have no idea i assume not because online is just so much easier yeah yeah all it's going to take is one kid yeah. Yeah. And, and think yeah, of well, the parents' mindset of like, all right, I was going to have to spend money on a babysitter because I have this work project coming up. Oh, $20 buys me, this kid, to be fully in tune with this game and really locked in. And I, I'm good for a night. I can get a night of work done that I've been, whatever, laundry or something. That, that could be an easy slippery slope of kind of logic that a parent convinces them of. Yeah, I know what's going on. I understand it. But still, this buys me some time that. I'm needing right now. And that could be a slippery slope. Yeah. And to that parent, I would ask what's up with your own boundaries that you have to be constantly doing work at home. You know, what, what's, what's up with that? Like, why, why can't you get your work done at work? And if we're having a real serious and sober conversation about time management and productivity, maybe the boss is af- asking you to work after hours, or maybe you're just fiddle farting around on your own device at work when you should be doing work. Um, and then we end up with this intellectualization or rationalization that to me sounds like it's fragmenting the family because I could, if I'm that adult who would rather spend 20 bucks on the value pack of the basketball game instead of a babysitter, well, maybe I should be sitting down with my kid and playing with him. Absolutely. All right. So, that's that's frightening and uh, you know we haven't gotten a lot of feedback over the years on these podcasts i would love for people to email us you know info at noggannotes.com info at zephyrwellness.org and you know tell us if we're all wet uh tell us if this is new for you uh and you're now terrified because you didn't know that this was a possibility maybe you're looking at your own credit card statements and wondering why ea sports is <laughs> constantly showing up on your bill I, I don't even know how this works but I'm, I'm learning alongside probably a bunch of the listening audience 
take us back a little bit though to the to the social media and how not just advertisers but children and parents can interface better and healthier with these devices. I happen to be a prohibitionist myself. I don't think children should be on social media until post adolescence. I've taken that from Jonathan Haidt and his research. I will not be putting devices in my kids' hands beyond what is required for school or which is statically controlled by me in my living room. So we have an old 8-bit Nintendo. We have a Nintendo 64. I play with them on Mario Kart or RBI Baseball from 1986. And that's really fulfilling for us. Granted, they're six and eight years old. Maybe when they get to 12 and 14 years old, they're going to have different desires. And I'm still going to have to hold that line and say, no, social media is still too toxic for you. Maybe in six years, it won't be the, the case. I don't know. I cross my fingers, but we'll see what happens in six years. A lot can change in six years. Six years ago, we were having very different conversations on this very podcast. So <laughs> what is a healthy way if the cat, if, if the, the horse is already out of the barn and parents have bought their kids phones and those phones or those tablets are connected to social media platforms. What, what's a, what's a proper way of, of examining this? Do you think, how do we, how do we oversee our kids? Grab the phone, run it over and eat the $300 you spent on it. Um, no, I don't, I don't know. Cause if, if I was talking to an adult that, um, because algorithms, let's just break that down a little because that word can be used for so many things so when i'm saying algorithm that's basically how the social media same as seo how it's deciding what content to deliver you so algorithms are based on factors of how many people are engaging with the content you post um and then facebook almost like uh Players Club Casino is monitoring what type of posts you engage with to then deliver you more. Um, my favorite is like if, if a social media algorithm ran a buffet, you go into the buffet line, you're going to get offered pizza, sushi, cheeseburgers, uh, fried chicken, um, all of the most commonly enjoyed with foods at the buffet. Now, you notice that list, it wasn't a salad, no yogurt not really maybe healthy choices to where if you and I go to the casino buffets, cause we're in the gaming capital of, of the world, uh, Nevada once a couple times a year, not that big of a deal. Social media we're consuming daily and you have to do a lot of work to get that salad. So you have to scroll past and not watch any second. So with TikTok, the longer you watch a video, it's saying, Oh, they were interested in that. I'm going to send, show them more like that they call it your feed uh, which is what content shows up when you're scrolling and doom scrolling we all know that scrolling forever on uh, endlessly because you're entertained and you mentioned the shift where the algorithms delivered content to all your followers now it's to everybody in the world who is interested in your content great as a business is it's a lot easier to have a larger brand and reach more people and sell products all over the country but now you're exposed to content from all over and if you're watching ooh, that's really cool and it's it's based off the human psyche and what works psychologically so men well here's a pretty picture of a girl in a bikini i mean that that's gonna take a lot of people Ooh, what's that pretty girl watch three four five oh now it knows all right i got you gonna show you more pretty girls and that's the signal it's taking um with non-videos it's post like we'll say linkedin twitter mostly text-based if you're liking with uh certain topics and keywords like all right maybe your firearms and looking at how to become a better shooter with your pistol it's like oh they like tips on this i'm gonna deliver them more regardless if you're following them or not. So it's it's a changed world of, all right, let's unfollow those people and you'll be fine. No, you got to take a step back and consciously not engage with content that was just subconsciously engaged with, easy to get engaged with. So scroll past quickly that girl in a bikini or guy with a rock hard six pack um, and move past all that content that's like the junk food that we're served all right no thanks no thanks no thanks and actively go seek out that salad uh so i like like travel things um national parks i'll go onto a account 
um, whatever, Yellowstone National Park, go on like, 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 then I see that content come up in my feed. I want to consciously like that content so I get more of it. Now we go back to the kid. How are you going to do that as a parent? I, I don't see an easy way to where you have to kind of monitor or educate them. Hey, let's do that. I, I guess you could do feed checks and say, hey, uh, I'm noticing you know, a lot of content that maybe not the best of you. Here's uh, what I'd like to see. Engage with maybe whatever you want, more your interest, but let's not see that. And then two months, randomly pull your phone like you're pulling text messages and see, is that content coming up when you're scrolling reels? Because if it is, if it's stuff engaged with, then that content's still going to be shown up. If it's not, and they actively engaged in more positive content, then that content will show up. Because going back to the original conversation, these platforms want you on device so they can show you more ads to make more revenue. So if I'm, that, that explains a lot, by the way, the, I love the buffet analogy because the way you laid it out is the tastiest food, not necessarily the best food. And I love that you referenced the human psyche because there are certain things that we're just biologically programmed to like. As men, it's the the virile, young looking girls in bikinis because there's a biological urge and need to procreate and, and perpetuate the species. And we're not even aware of it. So when I'm looking at my Instagram feed, for example, when I swipe to the, um, to the, to the search and I just see a whole bunch of chicks and bikinis is really what I get. And I don't, I don't engage in with chicks and bikinis. I just never have. And I tried to think really hard about how that could have shown up it's almost embarrassing like you know if i hand my phone over to my wife she's like what is this i'm like i don't know i didn't put it there <laughs> you know, like i'm thinking of one gal i've known for a million years she's a bodybuilder i'm like i follow one person who's a bodybuilder who like you know she wears a sports bra and she's a bodybuilder right but it, like it doesn't that doesn't connect for me to the uh to the instagram influencer who travels the world and you know swims in the maldives in her bikini that doesn't make any sense to me but the way you laid it out, Instagram's going to keep pushing that stuff simply because it's it's biologically driven into my psyche to like or, it, what, and and I will have to step. work very very hard to skip past the pizza, skip past the pizza, right? Correct. Or if you're liking that post of like, hey, you just won whatever uh, fitness competition, you're supporting that individual. That's taking cues. Totally. Oh, what is this person? So it, it could be a little of both of, oh, you're just supporting yeah. somebody not for who, what they're visually putting out, but it also would be like, oh, they're really liking this post. And it's only seeing keywords and topics that that person's associated with, which girl, fitness, um, sports, totally. girl, whatever. Yeah, I, and that's how it could I, I get all that. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking like of the 600 and something people that I follow or 300, I don't even know. One falls into that category, but when I scroll to the to the search page, it's overwhelmingly that it's not baseball, it's not firearms, it's and we know that they suppress firearm content anyway. Um, it's not geography, it's not space. Other things I'm thinking I'm interested in that I've liked repeatedly. Um, even news and politics doesn't show up on the suggested posts. It doesn't even show up on my reels. Now on the reels, there's a lot of comedy stuff. And I'm assuming that when I forward something to people like you and I forward little funny clips of dads with, you know, babies or whatever, that'll show up as I'm scrolling as, you know, suggested for you to follow, but it's not on the search feature, which I think is, is very odd, but it's almost like they're relentlessly pushing what they know works for the broader populace. So I keep going back to the buffet and it's like the grocery store. What do they put at the front of the grocery store? <laughs> Crap you don't need. Candy, liquor, you know, and what's in the back? Dairy, produce, meat. You have to walk past all the stuff you don't need to get to the stuff that you actually need to feed your body and fuel it. So that's a very appropriate analogy. But to your point about the children, they don't have the self-awareness. I mean, geez, uh, most adults don't have the self-awareness <laughs> to know what what's, drives what's, them, right? Children certainly don't. Even even if you stopped at the buffet line and took a glance at that pizza, it fucking knows that you it's, wanted that pizza. It's measuring. Same it's with measuring your it. Yep. So if you see a pretty girl and you just stop scrolling for a second, that's probably where a lot of your search is coming from. It's like, he'll stop and look for a pretty girl. We know that. 
<laughs> well, and, and I'm thinking that there's a there's a disadvantage there because I know what I look at, and it ain't that. And it, it is baseball, and it is um, '80s trivia and memories from when I was a child and all that stuff. I'm I'm still thinking that if they flood my my suggestions with that stuff, it's a self feeding feedback loop. And I love the feed part too, because it, it works so well with the analogy of, or the metaphor of buffet, you're eating it, you're, di- you're consuming the content. So if it's disaster content of people being maimed, or there's fights in the street or riots, or whatever, that also pings the limbic system. And it sends an alert message of fear, danger, that gets us drawn in no matter what it is if i see an explosion on a on a news clip the the feed is going to learn that the algorithm is going to learn that i hovered there for just a little bit now imagine that if i walk into that same buffet and it's pizza 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 hamburgers 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 um what was the other thing you threw out there candy (laughs) cookies (laughs) like and Uh, and there's one salad the odds that i'm going to hover over that salad compared to the volume of what's been presented is so much slimmer. Uh, you know, I'm like, uh, it's almost like I have to intentionally ignore it, but it doesn't know that. Cause it just knows that I'm scrolling. That's wild to me, man. And it's more like, like we use a very broad topic, but it's like, Hmm, he selected a pepperoni pizza last time. Let's show him what's fine tune. Is it, how about a combo? Is a, is a combo better than a pepperoni? Oh, and it, it'll dive into variations of it too. Um, to where it's like, all right, this is a topic and this is very close. Is it, does he like this variation of it more than the original pepperoni? And it will try to fine tune it that way, uh, too. And I think for the listening audience, it's good to know you've taken breaks off of Instagram for a long time. So maybe a long time ago, it's only data was like, oh, Jake liked looking at pictures with some girls. And that's really all that it has to go off of you. So you haven't fed enough information to, recently to keep liking um a lot of posts and a lot it takes a lot of time because yeah it's like eh, we know you like pepperoni pizzas that's your profile oh you you had one salad prove us wrong right 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 yeah so more information like keep doing salads for a week two weeks and then your feed will change my my A B test on this, and I've shared this with you, is my so my I have an Android. It's a it's a Pixel, so it's from Google. So the the default search is Google, and there's a way to like if you swipe, it'll pull up newsfeed. And I I think I've done a really good job of not clicking on any of the suggested articles for years now. And so it doesn't know what I like, and it's throwing the most bizarre things just to see what I'll grab. And I've started using, well, it's not started. It's been quite some time now. I've started using DuckDuckGo, which does not sell my data, allegedly. And uh, so I'll, I'll copy the article link and put it into DuckDuckGo as a browser if I really want to read something on, say, I don't know, the New York housing market. So I don't get flooded with a bunch of New York housing market articles that I'm not interested in. And... Um, my, so that's been my A-B test, which is really cool. So here's here's my next question, though. It's not just logging in and seeing the feed. I've noticed now that even if I search something on the account that's linked to my Instagram account, so my personal email is how I set up my Instagram account, my personal email linked to Amazon, I will get anything I've searched for on Amazon in Instagram. So I know Instagram's or Meta, we should say, is buying Amazon's data. I think they're also buying Google's data because now what I've learned to do is if I want to search something on Amazon, I use the Zephyr business account because that's not tied to any social media. So I just start, you know, I'll search for things on the on the Zephyr Amazon account if I don't want to get bombarded with ads for the thing that I already bought or whatever. But tell us more about what, you know about which companies share information or purchase it from each other and are they all doing it yeah you were talking that i was interested i'm sure the information's out there does amazon have to even sell it to them or is it a a mutual kind of beneficial relationship to where they're like here people are on facebook a lot they're going to see an amazon link click it are they sharing it or is there a transaction? I don't know. But yes, to your, your question, mm. all the social medias and web websites you go to are gathering data and getting more precise on what to show you because of your interest. So just um, this last week, got 
couple Christmas gift cards, looked to buy some shirts, and now on my social media feed, here's a bunch of shirts similar to that because they're trying. They got a cue, a signal of that, and this is called a Facebook Pixel, where you can link kind of Facebook to your website and online merchandise, so then you can see. So, um, one client has a digital product, and I can see. All right, am I? Are we breaking even with this campaign? Did we get more return on investment? Um, all that. Uh, tricky word in marketing is some people focus too much on that and other times like this it's the perfect time for it i can see which platforms really paid off because you can link digital products to um their kind of path and be like oh all right yeah they did purchase on facebook and that had brought them onto our or that had brought them onto our site and they made a purchase so you can attribute that purchase to that facebook campaign compare it with your budget um and that's kind of how we we work when you have digital products when uh services like yours totally kind of offline uh per se obviously you guys do telehealth but there's no digital products that you're consistently selling it's more um i guess blind or more just kind of investing in brand awareness and creating content not hey go buy this so then we can get more information and do it better similar like grocery store they want to know what products are being purchased and all of that so they can better order inventory, replace items that aren't selling. Same with slot machines. Oh, nobody played this slot machine for a month. It's going to be on the chop block. Let's order something new. Yeah, it's not all nefarious. I don't want to paint it with too broad a brush here, but I think where we need to be aware is how it affects us internally because what we consume as food affects the way our body works physiologically and what we consume in our minds will affect us psychologically. So if we're consistently scrolling the same stuff, we're going to have a net effect based on that stuff. If I'm watching healthy, clean comedians talking about, you know, parenting issues, I'm going to be, you know, have an overall euthymic or, you know, happy mood uh, because it, it, brings me joy to see that other people are, you know, making fun of their own parenting foibles or whatever. But if I'm constantly seeing terrorist attacks, I, I'm going to have, I'm going to be on edge. I'm going to be depressed. If I'm seeing articles about uh, how politics is ruining America or whatever, I'm going to be overall skittish and hypervigilant and probably bitter and maybe even black pilled and nihilistic. So we want to be mindful of how this stuff affects us and how we consume it. But then there's a ripple effect out from that in how we handle our relationships, particularly our domestic relationships with our spouses and our children. And I definitely know that the more time I spend in certain topic areas, you know, related to my business or maybe my profession or just news and politics or even sports game, you know, like if the, if the Steelers aren't winning, I'm kind of, you know, down and bitter and unhappy. But I also, you know, I'll throw couple bucks here or there and i literally mean two two to three dollars here or there on sports betting and if i'm not seeing the the return or you know my my fantasy football team is down if i'm glued to my device i know that i'm just first of all i'm distracted from my family but also the psychological effect of seeing one of my players not perform the way that i want him to and i'm losing the game to my fraternity brother or whatever i'm going to be angry at that or disappointed or whatever. And if I'm not mindful of my own mood, I can take that out on my, my family and my children. And hopefully I'm not kicking my pets or screaming at my boys, but I know that that can happen. And I've, and I've seen it in times of my life where I'm under a lot of stress. Largely it's because it's what I've consumed psychologically. And if I don't have good boundaries around that, I, it's going to bleed over into other areas of my life where I'm just not a happy person. I'm not focused. I'm distracted all the time. And then that can create a stacking effect too, because I know I'm not focused. I know I'm not present with my family. I know I'm distracted. And then I get equally frustrated and then it just boils over and that's not good either. So we, we, we need to know ourselves really well. We need to be aware of what we're consuming. We need to put boundaries in place both physical, like actually set the damn device aside as well as psychological and say this this broader thing in Congress really doesn't affect my living room, right? And know that much like when we step out of work and we flip the light off, we don't need to think about work when we leave. That's it. The work will be there in the morning when I come back. I don't need to bring it home with me. And I, I understand that not everybody's in that situation, but you get my point. So in order to keep this healthy and keep it sane, 
as parents, I think we have to be looking over our kids' shoulders, both physically and, and um, metaphorically or figuratively, and make sure that what they're consuming is in line with our family values, our ethics, our morals, our anchoring principles, and not let them go astray because they themselves are developmentally not at a point where they can govern their own content consumption. Um, I don't, yeah, it's a hard absolutely. job and I think I mean, parenting's gotten harder. Look at nutrition. It was all, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Now look at your nutrition online. You are what you click. True. That can Very be true. the app you click open, your fantasy team. That can be the article you're, you're reading. That can be the social media content you're engaging with. And yeah, I mean, we all know social media has divided us because people are getting two very different stories on the same exact story because they have different providers that they engage with one provider, the other engage with the other provider. So they're getting a little bit different view or slant or even maybe statistics uh, slightly manipulated. So they're both speaking their own truth based off how they see it, but there's a conflict because the digital information is different. That is absolutely a topic that is not beyond the scope of this uh, interview and this podcast, but I want to be mindful of time because we're coming up on an hour and it's been very rich, but we do want to be aware of the, the nefarious actors that are out there intentionally trying to divide people for their own nefarious purposes and not give over to those either. So that's, that's a different conversation for a different day, but it is, it is definitely something we should tackle because we all want to be mindful that as advertisers, pharmaceutical companies, which also advertise, uh, politicians that try to get us to vote for them. Uh, all these swirling competitive entities are competing for us. We are, we are the product that's being passed around. And if we don't retain our personal agency and our personal autonomy with a, at least some sense of anchoring and strength and conviction, we're going to become tossed around like the pinball of the pinball machine with, without any regard for whether or not we're in control. So uh, we want to be mindful of that and just know that although some of this stuff is just totally good business, you know, trying to get you the best products targeted to you the best way so that you can get what you need to live your life, the residual effect can be quite bad. And also there are bad actors out there intentionally trying to erode how we think about things. So uh, being mindful of what you're doing and, you know, trusting certain things over others is, is really good. So we, we need to foster more face-to-face conversations. We need to have more human interactions. We need to, you know, maybe get off the text threads and the email threads and have phone conversations too, because that matters as well. And I guess that's my invitation to everybody is get off your devices, get in real life. Anything left to say, you want to tell everybody where they can follow you if they want to find more nuggets of information and wisdom. Yeah, I think just be easy on yourself. Um, if somebody said, oh, I'm struggling with alcohol or everybody, oh, yeah, that's an addictive substance and everybody kind of gives grace or maybe a little bit more understanding. But social media addiction and maybe even the online video game addiction, that's not as out there and publicly known. So every everybody's kind of struggling with managing their time on social media and the information they consume. So don't feel bad if you're listening to this and this is like, Oh no, this is me. I I've been guilty of this. So, so many other people, maybe, maybe treat it like if you're disappointed with what you're consuming physical with food, look at it and be like, all right, let me do a cleanse, juicing, whatever, switch it up, um, start engaging with other content, um, put your phone away, turn it off, uh, I know I like to put my phone uh, on my dresser and don't bring it out on the weekends because I have five days of work and um, I'm constantly glued to technology that can access me. It doesn't need to access me with my two days with family. Uh, screen times are also great of, hey, you've hit this limit on this app. Um, do you want to give more? So it's a reminder. You can also set that up for kids where they have to ask permission for you to give more, uh, which could be a tool. Um, but yeah, just be, be kind to yourself and, um, you can do it. Um, but yeah, people can find me LinkedIn, Kevin Berry, uh, on Twitter, Hex, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, pretty much all, all social media platforms. Um, yeah, just reach out if you have any questions or, 
um, yeah, I'll answer them or curiosities. You are very good at your job, and uh, if you if people want to reach you and retain your services, Marketing LLC, uh, sorry, Marketing Stable LLC, uh, I think it's .com, right? Yes. MarketingStableLLC.com. Kevin Berry, thank you very much, and I really appreciate your time. I appreciate everything you're doing for us and for the Walk the Talk America cause. Before we sign off, if you're uh, interested in this content and you like more of it, reach out to us. Let us know what we can cover. And again, like Kevin said, please be kind to yourself. If you realize that the overall net effect on your life is worse, maybe what you're consuming isn't as good as you think it is. And maybe you don't actually need that platform to quote unquote, keep in touch with your long lost friends after all. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks to Kevin. And on behalf of the Naganotes family, the Zephyr Wellness family that makes all this possible, we wish you all great mental wellness. Bye-bye.